At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Welcome to another episode of I Am Steve R. It has been uh, several months since I've done one of these, and, and I'll be honest with you, it's been on my heart just about every week, and sometimes I don't really know what to talk about. Sometimes I, I don't have time, or I, and maybe that's an excuse, but I, I know that many of you have gotten some level of benefit from this, and um, you know, my heart is really tender today because I've recently um, experienced uh, some loss, and uh, I thought maybe perhaps we would talk about that today. I've got a, I've got a young man that uh, corresponds to me from time to time also in recovery that uh, recently lost his dad, and he reached out and said, you know, maybe you should do an episode about grief, and I thought, you know, that's, maybe that's the impetus I needed to do, do another one of these shows, and um, so... I'm going to try to be more regular with you guys. I've said that in the past, but I'm going to try to make some time. I'm going to try to do it weekly. It won't always work out that way, but I'm going to try to get you guys back on track here. And uh, we'll get back to our step study eventually. But uh, I just feel like when when we're in periods maybe that are uncomfortable, you know, we get out of the out of the routine a little bit. You know, life sometimes hits us with something we're unprepared for. And I think since I'm dealing with some of that, maybe the best thing to allow me to heal and maybe perhaps help some of you is to talk about that. You know, it's one of those things to kind of talk about it in hindsight, you know, when the wound is not quite as fresh. And uh, I'm dealing with that. And I'll be honest with you, I woke up in a foul mood this morning. And a lot of that is ego, right? I mean, living life on life's terms is not always a tidy undertaking, and bad things happen to good people. No matter how well-intended we are, no matter what efforts we make to be, quote, good people, we're still going to deal, deal with bad and negative things. Just because we're in recovery doesn't mean that we're immune to life's problems. That's when working your program matters most. Anyone can stay clean and sober through times of prosperity. Anybody. You don't need a sponsor for that. You don't need a meeting. You don't need the steps. You can just say, things are going my way. So it's easy to live life when life is maybe being fair to you. But what do you do when life is not being fair to you? You know, here's the thing that's the reality of life. It is the cycle of life, as Disney has taught us. You're going to have people that you love die in your life. You're going to lose parents. You're going to lose grandparents. You're going to lose friends. You may lose a spouse you know, at some point. And sadly, some of us lose children. So what do we do? Do we just fall apart? Do we use that as an excuse to go get loaded? You know, my pain is fresh. 
even though the loss itself took, you know, took place some time ago. So I want to talk about that today, and I want to share with you kind of what I'm dealing with and kind of how I'm handling it. And maybe it's correct, maybe it's not. But as 30-plus years of recovery have taught me, I have everything I need to navigate through these difficult waters. So I'm going to give you a little background here. So, you know, you have these friends that kind of come and go in your life. And seasons change, locations change, people change. And maybe you don't interact with them as frequently as you once did. It doesn't mean you love them any less. They're just not part of your daily circle anymore. And, you know, maybe I'm a bad friend. You know, I've said that and people are like, you know, Steve, don't beat yourself up. You know, maybe, maybe there's some soul searching and personal inventory taking that I need to do at this point. You know, maybe I'm not always the person that I claim to be. Now, I'm going to be fair to myself, too, because, uh, you know, again, you know, things change. It's a two-way street. While I wasn't really in contact with this person as often as I once was, they weren't in contact with me either. So let me give you a little story here. So I met my buddy Grant. Gosh, I'm, I mean, it's, the, the years just kind of run through it, right? But it was around 2000, so it's been, um, you know, over 20 years. I met Grant, liked him immediately. Actually, he was my boss for a little while, and then I got promoted and then became his peer. And then, uh, you know, we were friends, and, you know, we, we did a lot of inter-office pranking on other people, and it was all very well-intended, and what we thought was humorous kind of make it through the day, and uh, we had very successful, uh, you know, business for a while, and um, things were great. And then even after we didn't work together, we got together for lunch about once a week, it was one time that he told me that I knew more about the Bible than anybody he'd ever known in his life. He told me he had so much respect for me that I could go to a bar and not drink. And that I was always so careful and thoughtful to get people home. I was always willing to be the designated driver. And so we spent a lot of time together. He knew my children. He was not married, didn't have children of his own. And so, you know, my kids kind of saw him as an uncle. You know, he was the guy that was always around. Like, if, you know, if they needed something, you know, he could go pick up the kids or whatever. And, you know, he could uh, – we even we were even uh, – I coached middle school basketball in Baton Rouge for three years. He was my assistant coach the one year, and uh, we won a championship. He didn't do a lot of coaching, but it was a chance for us to kind of be together and be around sports. And, and he was a good guy on the bench. So, like, if I had to pull a guy out of the game, you know, he was a guy that could kind of sit him down and kind of get him ready to go back in. So we had some really positive experiences. And then I moved to Starkville, and you know how it is. You know, you just don't call in taxes often. I mean, it's a little more, it's, it's not as easy to get together and go break bread. And so that friendship is not always as high on the ladder of awareness that it once was. Right? I mean, you move, you, you get new people that you go to lunch with. It doesn't mean that your old friends are, quote, replaced. I mean... They still have a place in your heart. They're just not on your lunch calendar. And then, you know, social media makes us lazy. At least it does for me. You know, you see somebody's Facebook post, you like it, you comment on it, and you feel like you're caught up, right? But let's be honest about social media. I mean, everybody's putting their best foot forward on social media. 
Very few people get out there and like, ah, you know, I'm really struggling today. Could use your help. And, you know, a lot of people don't do that for fear of being judged. And they see other people respond. I don't want to be that guy. I don't want to be the whiner on Facebook when I'm dealing with something. You know, but here's the reality of that. Whether you may not choose to broadcast that publicly, you need to talk to somebody privately. You don't have to struggle through it alone. But in time, Grant and I didn't talk as much. I remember one time back in 2017, I got texts from him. I was on the sidelines of a college football game. He texts me and says, hey, how much are you guys paying these refs? You know, it was so typical Grant. His dad died, kind of sent him into a bad, bad place. His dad was his hero. And so uh, I hadn't talked to him in a while, and I went down to Baton Rouge for an event and um, went to kind of check all that out, you know. And I uh, had to go down there, and I was like, hey, man, I hadn't talked to Grant in forever. Let me see if he wants to have, have dinner with me, maybe. You know, we'll get caught up. It's been forever, man. What's, what's it been, a year? Longer? So I get down there, and I call his number. And uh, a lady's voice comes on the voicemail. I'm like, well, that's weird. He changed numbers. I went and checked his Facebook. His Facebook was gone. I thought, man, what's going on with my buddy? The Facebook thing didn't really bother me, you know, because Grant was a guy that really enjoyed political opinions. I mean, he could have been, he could have been banned, for all I know, but, uh, or deactivated because he got tired of dealing with, uh, you know, all the political hubris on Facebook. You know, that's a great place where everybody has a lot of passionate opinions that, that get nothing changed. So it wasn't atypical for Grant to decide, you know what, I'll take a break from all this stuff. And so I thought maybe he's taking a break. But when I call his number, his number's been changed. I'm thinking, well, this is weird. All right, so how, how do I get in touch with him? So it became one of these deals where I got even more and more and more concerned about it. You know, you reach a point maybe when you're not quite so busy and you're like, hey, I need to check into this. And so uh, I Googled him. I'm thinking, well, surely he's working somewhere, you know. And much to my dismay, I found an obituary. The guy that was once my best friend is gone. And I didn't know. And that's something I got to live with. It's a difficult thing to live with. I didn't know that he was struggling. And I don't know that he would have shared that with me anyway. You know, in recent days, I've talked to some mutual friends. They were really, some, many of them more his friends than my friends. You know, I was kind of a friend by association. And all of them thought I knew. And he'd left a note. He left a note and said, you know, hey, I love all you guys, but I don't think I can love you the way that, uh, that you deserve, which is nonsense, right? But when you're in that hole, when you're in that pit, self-despair and pity and things like that you begin this inner dialogue where you begin to convince yourself that nobody really cares that you're not providing value to the people you care about and it saddens me to know that he was in that place and that we weren't in contact now at the end of the day it's not my fault even though I've beat myself up the last few days it's not my fault that he made the decisions that he did. Because a couple of years ago, he, he made out a will and wrote a note um, 
kind of you know, given some instructions. You know, he had a dog, and it's been been his companion for like 13 years. It's like, hey, we'll make sure that my dog's taken care of. And he killed himself. And I didn't know. And there's a part of you that wants to get angry. It's like, well, how, how come nobody told me? You know, and I mean, I would have gone to the funeral. Well, he, he specifically said that he didn't want to have a funeral. So there was nothing shared. Nobody posted anything on Facebook. It's like, hey, we're going to have this. And, you know, I don't know a lot of people that post uh, obituaries on Facebook. Some do, I guess. I've seen a few. But I didn't know. And so while this loss happened a couple years ago, it's new to me. So my friends and acquaintances, in some respects, are kind of having to relive this again. And I think there's a part of me that I think some of them are grateful just to kind of reminisce again and tell funny stories. But there's a part of me I feel a little selfish, you know, but but kind of picking at some old scabs. It's like, well, I didn't know, so I'm going to get caught up. And so I'm going to make you talk about it. And, um, you know, it kind of is what it is. And so, I'm not going to go get drunk over it. Number one, Grant would not stand for that, right? That's part of the deal. I didn't get what I wanted out of this deal, right? Which was my friend to live. I didn't get to vote. There wasn't an online poll conducted or anything like that. And so how do I handle this when maybe I'm not getting out of life what I expect to get? When I feel like that something unfair has happened, that I've lost someone that I care about, even, even though we had lost touch, it doesn't mean that I didn't care. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match, with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging, so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Because I absolutely do. And these last couple of days have not been very good ones. They haven't been. And so what I've done is I've relied on my program. Because usually when we get stung a little bit by life, we want to retreat and become reclusive. And some of it's a pride issue. You know, we don't want people to know that we're struggling. Admitting weakness is a sign of strength. Excuse me. 
rather than the other way around. Admitting that you're having a difficult time is maturity and recovery. And so I have reached out to some friends in recovery, some people that, uh, that I love, and not just them, but to some other people that I know that love me. And I'm like, I'm struggling. I'm struggling. I'm not going to go get drunk over it, but I'm struggling. I'm hurting. Because think about you know, our triggers to drugs and alcohol. It's usually when we're hurting about something. And just by verbalizing the phrase, I'm hurting or I'm struggling, kind of lessens it a little bit. Admitting that we're having a negative experience, I think, is an part of having a positive recovery. You have to be willing to admit that you're having an issue. I mean, how many times in life, back when we're out there drinking and drugging, have we kind of used situations like this as an excuse to go get drunk or loaded? Now, truthfully, we are not people that process pain very well. It's part of our profile as a person in recovery or somebody that deals with substance abuse issues. We are not people that process pain. That's what makes late recovery important is because we have learned to be able to process pain in a healthy way. One of the things that I have found that helps me is to help other people. Recently had um, you know, a, a gentleman that died. It's, uh, was, you know, his family are big fans of, me, of mine. And so uh, he passed away suddenly last week. I'd, I'd never met the man. I knew his family. I never met him. And that's a shame. But he passed away last week, and, and I went to the visitation. I thought, you know what? I'm hurting right now. But there are some other people out there that are hurting too. So I make the drive down there. It's, uh, I don't know, an hour and 40 minutes. Drive down there, go through the line, have my 10 minutes, hug some necks. Offer my condolences, get back in the car and drive back. And I think the time on the road probably did me good. But when we're feeling negative, the best thing to do is to react in a positive manner. Rather than just kind of ride that negative wave and say, you know what? Oh, woe is me. And that's not in any way to suggest you're whining for experiencing loss in life. It is part of life and it is part of the human condition. When we lose someone that we love, it is going to hurt. Unless you're a robot or a you know, psychopath or something, it's going to hurt. We're going to feel that. And that's what working the 12 steps in a program recovery is about, is when those times come for you, because they're going to come, how are you going to handle it? Well, you call your sponsor. You go to meetings. It is helpful to remind yourself that you're not alone. You know, sometimes AA has kind of become the social hour. You know, we just kind of go to socialize to remind ourselves that we're not alone, that, you know, we're not. Sometimes just to find out, uh, you know, who's dead, you know, whatever, you know, look for a 13-step opportunity, whatever, you know. But the real purpose of those meetings is when we're feeling like this. They're all important. Every one of them. They're all important. I, I look back at my life and the three decades that I've been clean and sober, 
And the meetings that I remember the most, the ones that kind of dial up in my mind, are when I needed them the most. When I was confused about life, and you begin to ask yourself, why is this happening to me? And before we chase that rabbit trail too long, I think it's important to understand, too, there are things that happen in life to other people. And I can't make the whole world's problems my own. There is a difference between something happening to them and happening to me. Now, I was a person when I was young in recovery. It's like if, he, like, if my neighbor lost a job and then my, my friend uh, had a flat, I'm thinking, why is all this stuff happening to me? Well, it's not happening to me. It's happening to them. But it's easy to kind of take ownership of somebody else's issues when you're a person that's really big into excuse making. But there are situations like this where something traumatic, life-changing, earth-shattering happens to us. And when that happens, you pick your butt up and you go to a meeting. You get on the phone. I don't care if it's a Zoom call or whatever. You find a way to connect with another human being. Because what this disease will do is it'll make us feel like that, you know, no one has ever experienced this. Our pain is unique, and we'll die of terminal uniqueness, right? It's like, oh, well, this is happening to me. Oh, poor old me. And there's nothing poor old you about grieving the loss of a loved one. You got to feel that. You got to let yourself feel that. It's part of a healthy recovery process. Because our excuse in the past was when this would happen, when something like this that would happen that we didn't want to deal with, what did we do? We went and got loaded. That's what we did. Because we wanted to mask the pain. We wanted to drown the pain away. Now all of a sudden, you know, I'm drinking and I'm numb and I'm having fun. And, you know, maybe you meet that stranger in a bar or whatever and it gives you a chance to kind of deflect. And it's all negative. And because at some point you got to sober up. You know, it's like one of the one of the favorite lyrics of a song that uh, a band called Pop Evil wrote, and uh, it's a song called Purple. And there's a very profound line in that song that uh, has always meant a little something to me. And he says, "It only hurts when I'm sober." And I'm sure they wrote that, you know, basically, you know, to say, "Hey, you know, well, I just stay drunk all the time, so I don't want to have to deal with it." But that's the thing about being in recovery is being able to absorb the hurt in a healthy way. Because it is in our nature to go out there and handle this in a negative way. If something negative happens to me, nothing negative is supposed to happen to me. I'm not supposed to be dealing with these kind of things. So I'm going to go lash out and uh, live a self-destructive lifestyle. Even for only, I'm going to go vent. I'm going to go blow off some steam. I'm going to get drunk. I'm going to blow my mind out. With a fit of Jack Daniels. That's what our natural instinct is. Because we run from pain every chance we get. And you can be dry or sober or whatever you want to label it these days and still do that in some respects, even without drinking. And so it's best to talk. I'm a person that heals by talking. I guess that's one of the reasons I'm doing this show today. You know, you heal by talking. And you heal by connecting with another person. And you heal by kind of shifting the focus in some respects onto somebody else. Because I can promise you this. There are a lot of people out there that are sharing the same hurt that you're sharing. There are a lot of people out there. 
lot of people out there, like if you lose a friend, well, you weren't the only friend they had. And so it's good to kind of commiserate. And so again, connect with those people. It's like, hey, we're all experiencing this group loss. You know, I know when my dad died, and it seems like forever ago and yesterday at the same time, all of my siblings were together, along with my stepmother, my dad's uh, wife. And it helped to be together, knowing that we were all dealing with change in life and dealing with loss in life collectively. It made me feel better to know that I wasn't alone. And when it got time to go home and kind of resume life again, I didn't want to go. Because I knew at some point I'm going to have to kind of shoulder this burden on my own. But there's still calls. There's still texts. Still schedule a lunch together. And so I share that with you today. Because sometimes I think we're too proud to admit that we're experiencing pain. And sometimes the pain is unspeakable. Sometimes things happen in life that are so incredibly devastating that we have a difficulty kind of moving on from it. And sometimes it requires some professional intervention. Sometimes it requires some help. And I encourage you to get that if you require that. But at the baseline, at the, at the very end of it all you have to make the effort pick up the phone text go to meetings congregate with people that love you to kind of work through this there are people that care and that's the thing that I go back to when I think about you know my friend I I didn't know that he was struggling I didn't know and that's one of those things too that I'm, I'm kind of having to come to grips with you know it's like even if I had been in contact with him I don't know that he would have told me because many of our mutual friends that were interacting with him on a regular basis, he didn't tell them. And so it's almost a little narcissistic, not that I'm trying to let myself off the hook by any stretch, but to think, well, if I could have just talked to him, I could have made a difference. And I don't know that that's the case, but I would have loved to have had the opportunity to at least have the chance to speak to him and again it's not like he got up one day and said hey i'm hurt and i'm struggling so check on your friends if you hadn't heard from somebody in a while there might be a good reason they may be dealing with some type of personal trauma that you're unaware of you know again you see their pictures on instagram and everybody's smiling at the beach and you think man they live such a great life and you find out later that you know they're their spouse is cheating on them. They're maybe facing financial ruin. I mean, yeah, there's always stuff that goes on. People are not going to put that stuff out there. They're just not. It's like we live behind this facade. And it makes me want to vomit sometimes. At the end of the day, we're all hurting about something. Some more than others. So I just say that to say this. No matter what you're dealing with, you are not by yourself. No matter how bad it feels today, there's somebody else that's kind of willing to shoulder that load with you. There are people that love you. 
that are willing to listen to you. There are other people out there that have experienced it before that may have some insight. You know, I think about my grandmother and uh, the strongest woman I've ever known. And I've known some really strong women. I've raised a couple of them, too. Um, But when times got tough, she was the kind of person, you know, she didn't always just have a lot of advice. You know, sometimes I would call her when my world was falling apart and she would say, you know what, baby, it's going to be okay. And just hearing her say that made it feel okay. Even as bad as it would be, there were times that I just felt like my life was falling apart. But just calling her for some reassurance made the difference. But I had to make the call, right? I had to make the call. I had to make the effort. It's not that she didn't call me from time to time, but she didn't always know when I was hurting. And I would call her and I'd say, you know, this is going on or whatever. My heart's broken or whatever. And she'd say, baby, it's going to be okay. And just hear it, and just me repeating her words just puts a lump in my throat because those words meant so much to me. Because I knew how strong she was. And if she told me it's going to be okay, it's going to be okay. And you know what? It always was. Somehow it always was. And I remember go, I'd go by and see her at her house, and sometimes she could tell I'd been hurt and whatever, and she'd just sit on the couch next to me and just hold my hand. And some days I would give anything to be able to go do that, right? It helps to know that people love you, and they do. No matter what you tell yourself, they do. You know, we get so busy, and we're like, oh, I'm so busy, I don't take the time to do this, and we assume that everybody's like us. And many people are. You know, we get busy busy chasing this and chasing that, we're paying the mortgage, raising kids, and your peers and your friends are kind of dealing with that too. But there are other people out there that just, just kind of waiting on your call. Because they care. And so I encourage you at this point, when you face these issues, and you will, if you live long enough, you will face some very serious emotional, mental, and sometimes spiritual trauma. And you work your program. You call your sponsor. You lean on those of us that love you. That's part of the love arrangement, right? It's not just to love you when things are going great, when you're on top of the world. We're not just fans. You know, many of the people that truly loved you loved you at your worst. They loved you when you were out there getting DUIs and getting bailed out of the drunk tank or picking you up at some uh, crack house out there. If they loved you then, you don't think they love you now? They've loved you at your worst. They'll love you at your best. And they'll love you at your lowest. You just got to be willing to reach out for it. I've learned that. There's so many times, and I think I've shared this on the show before, when I got ready to make the move, right? When I got made the move to get sober. Because I was so far from where I needed to be, any step I took was in the right direction. When I reached out, I could barely get my hand like above my waist You know, because the people that loved me weren't even at arm's length. As soon as they saw me make a move, it's like they all just grabbed me and pulled me from that frozen icy river of, of despair. They weren't even at arm's length. They were just waiting on me to make a move. And no matter how bad you're hurting today, there are people like that in your life. They're just waiting for you to make the move. Now, we could sit around and be like, well, everybody knows that I'm sad. Why don't they call me? Take some personal responsibility for yourself. But if you're hurting, tell somebody you're hurting. Don't sit at home in that hurt and despair and just think you're going to get better. 
They say time heals all wounds. That's a complete lie. It's not true. The time doesn't, doesn't fix it. It's the steps that you take during that time that fixes it. Because if it was just time, we'd just sit around and just keep feeling the same thing all the time. But every day it gets a little bit better. Every day something else matters. Every day you find a little more joy in the world. It's so easy to go find negativity. But by the same token, it's easy to find positivity. You know, the good book says, as a man seek, so shall he find. And so if you're looking for the negative in life, if you want to stay in that pit of despair, you can. You can. You know, you can get on social media and find enough things to, you know, that really make you depressed. It's like, I'm just, oh, woe is me. Look at how bad the world is. You know, yeah, it's true. It's the only world we got, though. So we're going to do whine about it or fix it. You know, I begin to think about the resources that are available in recovery today are the greatest in the history of humanity. It is easier today in many respects to get clean and sober than at any point in human history. Now, the flip side of it is there's a lot more drugs and alcohol out there available than, than at any point in human history, too. There are more ways to get higher drunk than at any point in mankind. But if you want to get sober and you want to stay sober, you have the ability to do so. It doesn't matter what they put out there. It doesn't matter what they put on the market. It doesn't matter how drugs and alcohol change. It's a personal decision that I make. And days like today, and I have so many people that say, well, hey, well, don't get drunk over it. I'm not going to. And that's a decision that I made long ago and a decision that I continue to make every single day. Even on days like this, even when I'm hurting and my heart is broken, I'm not going to go get drunk over it because I understand it's not going to make any change the situation. It's not going to make anything any better. It might feel better temporarily, but I'm going to wake up with all the guilt. Not to mention the people that I lost. The last thing they would want me to do is to fall apart because they passed away. That is factual. No matter what you're going through, no matter what you're dealing with, no matter what's eating your lunch, you are never alone because I'm right there with you. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun... Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.